0: reached KPFA in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and up next is Jennifer Stone with Cover to Cover. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rules. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light, light them up. Picture, drop the shadow out of this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw and today I want to let my mind just uh, wander from the political to the personal and then back again. I keep hearing some of our best pundits saying that the United States government and the military establishment, the corporate oligarchy, whatever you want to call these powers that be, that these guys wish to rule the world, not to understand it, not to live in it or be part of it. They want to control the peoples of other lands, not to cultivate a relationship, as the young women say. Uh, some folks say this is nothing new, you know—at um, least not historically speaking. Uh, but hell, I mean, even Napoleon Bonaparte took with him some Arabic translators. You remember when he went off to conquer Egypt? Some of his uh, some of his fellows blew the face off the Sphinx. That wasn't what I would call a diplomatic. But one way or another, you have to communicate. Even the Brits made some attempt to do that during their years as Victorian imperialists, but since Rome, it's basically pro-patria. Alex, the Macedonian madman, had this trick. He married off his soldiers to the local population. You know, he just lined them all up and married them off by the hundreds. He always took a bride himself to set a good example. Today's rulers are definitely absentee landlords you know dissociative long distance types uh, air power is one of the reasons for the the new game i can 't help seeing this kind of dissociative behavior as a kind of metaphor well let 's say it's a it 's a macro macho version of the behavior that Many individual males have toward females, you know, uh, how that is in families, in hierarchies, primate hierarchies, Uh, you know, the sort of fellows who are interested in ownership, not partnership, Uh, possession more than passion. Women, it's a possibility, I think uh, some anthropologists will tell you, that women were perhaps the first property. You know, uh, there was, of course, the cattle and then the land, but obviously human groups existed uh, before even the nomads, before even they had uh, domesticated cattle. So I'm going to guess that women are the first class, the first things that were owned. Now, in today's world, the problem of masculine entitlement is still very much with us indeed uh I think it's on the rise. I want to read you some excerpts from the journal of an artist, uh, uh, artist who lives in our local community here. I met her at a reading, and her work proved to me that my theories about fascism beginning at home in the crib, in the cradle, that these were were accurate. Virginia Woolf is always saying that, you know. Uh, it all starts in the family, in the bedroom, um, the parent-child relationship. This artist is a woman that I met at a reading at Pro Arts Gallery in Oakland, and I want to read you some of her journal because her work is being shown this coming weekend and the following weekend, and you might want to go and see it. She treats the subject of abuse and... um, I will give you all the dates and times and places um, at the end of the hour. Let me give you her phone number in case you have a pencil on you now. Uh, it's the Dutch Boy Open Studios Art Show. And it's June 5 and 6 and June 12 and 13, both weekends coming up. And the address is 4701 San Leandro Street. Number 37, that's 4701 San Leandro Street, number 37, it's in Oakland. You go off Highway 880, 880, and you do the High Street. Turn off High Street, and then it's at High Street and San Leandro Street. Uh, If you need um, a map, it's between the Fruitvale Bart and the Coliseum. If you need to locate it in Greater Oakland, uh and her name is Chandra Garson C H A N D R A Chandra Garson G A R two S S O N Chandra Garson and her phone number is in the 5 and dime area code 534 4751 I'll give that number again at the end of this half hour 534 forty seven fifty one and it's in the five and dime area code if you want to ask her about her work and about this journal it's it's expensive it's a beautiful uh art catalog, but Chandra has done something amazing she's written uh, she, she didn't intend it as a book uh, she says, but um, opposite the photographs, the color photographs of these amazing works of art. She has written, um, her story, or bits and pieces of her story, and, uh, she's done it in a nice, rough style. Some of it's even hard to read. It's typed over, overwritten stuff. It's very arty. And, um, I took one look at it, and I began to think of it the way an editor or a writer does, uh, it's, uh, very spontaneous, very natural, and, uh. I started editing it down and changing the time sequence, oh dear. No, it's the kind of prose that poets produce and uh, I find it fascinating and I just thought as an experiment I'd like to read you some of these journal entries uh, so that you get an idea what her collection is like. Of course, each one describes or tells you uh, the uh, emotional or psychological source for the, the painting, and that, of course, I can't show you over the these airwaves. Uh, when I walked into her exhibit, it was at Pro Arts last month, and uh, I was reading there with some other writers. We were focusing on the subject of abuse, more or less, and she had 200 pieces there. When I first saw it, I just muttered to myself, bloody hell, just so, yes, a trip to hell and back. This is what an artist does to bring us revelations. They go down through the labyrinth into the dark places. Uh, she says, all abused children are Persephones. Much of the work is frightening. Um, it's also quite beautiful, most of it. Chandra has certainly expressed her pain. Now, I don't think of this as reductive uh, at all. I mean... There's always a complaint, especially about writers, um, that artists in today's climate um, often define themselves by their victimization. And I, I think that is unfair. Uh, it depends, you know. Uh, it all depends on style. Messages are beside the point. The style is what matters. Uh, this is not... Reductive work. That's not what's happening here. What Chandra has done is give meaning to her landscape of terror. Uh, The landscape of terror is not always the same, but certainly there are fundamentals that all abused children, abused adults will recognize. Uh, Everything from the mother monster to the violence of male assaults, uh, it's all about these psyches, these... You'll forgive the expression, sadists, that inhabit our universe. Yes, I'm always looking to my inner sadist to tell me what's up. Uh, I, I hope I've got her under control. I, I always say on KPFA that, you know, she's my inner Nazi. She's the goose girl, goose-stepping all over other people. Uh, there's a section here where... Um, Shonda Shonda describes her mother as a uh, non-stop talker. And that got under my skin because that is certainly one of my best tricks for terrorizing others, uh, stomping all over them, ceaselessly talking. Uh, Let me read you something here at the end of the journal just as a way of introduction because she speaks of the best medicine being truth. She says, for me, what works best in my quest is facing the truth of my history, of my life and feelings. I recommend therapy for everyone, and I recommend keeping a journal through which you find out who your own very best friend is. It's you. I recommend all creative work or any work that is closest to your heart. As the song by Kate Wolf told us, find what it is that you really care about and live a life that shows it, and she goes on to wish us some truth and beauty. We can always go for that. Uh. <laughs> Let me read you her page on Persephone. Uh, it's this is opposite uh, design of a a little doll veil, a black veil, carrying a skeleton kind of spooky piece called Persephone. It is to the dark underworld of Hades that Persephone must return each autumn. She is allowed to return to her home on the surface of the earth each spring. They say it is she who brings the sun back to us. It's not her fault the sun disappears with her exit back to Hades, into his underworld in the fall. It is her sad fate that Hades abducted her against her will. She was kidnapped he committed a grievous crime against her. It is because of her relentless suffering and her courageous willingness to feel that she and we are allowed her warm, green, seasonal return. All survivors of suffering are Persephone. All deserve our attention and our care. All reside in and return from the dark underworld. Be sure to welcome them home again. All burst forth on the surface of the ocean for much needed air and sun. When this occurs with you nearby to witness the event, do not abandon them. Do not abandon Persephone to her fate. There is much for her to teach us about our human behavior. And let's see, let me go to self-portrait. Self-portrait as a mermaid fleeing towards the brilliant, talented, beautiful, and alluring sea monster. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I do love this, Chandra. It reminds me of all my own um, poetic efforts to talk about, The mermen, oh, how we love those mermen. For Chandra, it's this alluring sea monster. That's a beautiful blue blue and red painting she has here. She writes, for a long time, we, that is she and the man in question, were perfectly devastatingly symbiotic. We merged in the harrowing murky depths of the unconscious sea. Together we were subject to the shark, the Portuguese man-of-war, the barracuda, and the giant octopus. Always looming in and out of sight in these waters, we could neither navigate nor negotiate. Suddenly, confronted with one of these, or any of the other hazardous creations in these waters lurking, his form naturally reverted to that of the Leviathan, ...heavy in these weighty waters, dark in form and content. I reverted to my own... ...chosen, formless form, that of the jellyfish. Soft and squishy. Ungraspable, spineless. Yes. But in its own way... And in ways unknowable to me at that time, painfully stinging. Let me jump to the section, uh, (laughs) about her, her, her truth affliction, truth affliction, yes. Um, oh, this is a terrifying work of art, um, and she's written next to it, uh, Something about dentists, yes, her mother made her wear this hideous brace, Uh, ruined her childhood, yes. Um, She writes, Chandra writes, She never stopped talking, my mother. How could she ever have listened if she never stopped talking? It must have been her master plan, this impermeability. She let nothing in, in the iron-clad fortress of her own making. She could do as she pleased. Nothing could get past her wall of words. With her arsenal of verbiage and a barrage of non-stop talk bullets, she kept the world, especially the world of her children, at bay. She could be told nothing. So her conveniently conscious free consciousness remained pure, free from remorse, free from guilt for the pain she inflicted. She talked morning, noon, and night, my mother. She talked inside, outside, up and down the street. On the way to and at the grocery store, the beach, the yard, the movies, she never stopped talking. She talked at her friends. She talked at her neighbor, She talked at her husband. More than any other than herself, she talked at her kids herself. That was the only one she seemed to be actually having a conversation with. We could hear her all over the house and everywhere she went. With herself, she actually talked, answered, and may even have been listening. The conversations she involved herself in were long, convoluted, maze-like structures in form and content. <laughs> she always said she was an atheist. I believe her religion is herself. This next piece is... Um, Next to a shocking, uh, well, an interesting work of art. It has a basically an ear at the center of it that doesn't describe it at all. But yes, there is a an ear, uh, sort of as a uh, the center of a tunnel of light, and it's about the art of listening. Adam and Eve. And next to this painting, or work of art, Chandra writes, "It is only through talking and through listening that there can be any hope." Hope that people will understand one another is about is about um, what is needed. Talking is easier to do. Talking is easier to define than listening. It's much more complex. Listening is a skill, service, privilege, honor. Listening requires the development of perceptive, interpretive, empathic ability. It's the beginning of compassion. The good listener is required to honor what is told, to commit never to use what is told against the teller. Sometimes the will toward unselfish action is required of the listener. Most often the need on the part of the teller is simple, more listening. For a while, don't switch the subject back to yourself. Ask about, comment on, mirror what has been told. Call a little more often for a while, call on the phone, get together with, inquire. Ease another over the rougher terrain. It will not be forever, and it may prevent something rougher up ahead. Maybe all Adam and Eve needed to do was simply sit down together for a good talk, for a good listen. I began to fight for the right and the privilege to be heard several years ago listening as a tool for self-preservation along with heightened perceptive skills these I had begun to master early in life what every sexual assault has in common with every other sexual assault is that the attacker will not listen to what the victim is trying so desperately to tell with voice scream body will while every story of sexual assault varies in details this one common factor of the perpetrator's refusal to listen, this remains the same. Every abused and neglected child is a child who is not listened to. Listening is fundamental to the care of all children. Here's a piece that I find fascinating because the work of art... I. I was thinking I would frame the photo as a terrifying uh, work. It's an office chair, literally. It's beautiful reds, golds. But the seat of the chair is a bicycle wheel, and under the bicycle wheel is trapped an infant, a male infant, is trapped in this office chair. Uh, Here's what Chandra has to say about this this terrifying work of art. Uh, As you... Titles it The Perfect Proportions of Man. Mm, You know architecture. This sculpture is of the perfect proportions of man guy when he was just an infant. They were all babies once, these perfectly proportioned as well as not so well proportioned men. By the way, it will be a more perfect world, some parity between the sexes, when women, even those who take care of themselves care as little about their outer appearance as men seem to do. Of course, in that perfect world, men will have evolved to the point of valuing women for qualities beyond appearance. Meanwhile, just what did go wrong with so many of those sweet male infants as they grew? This one, she refers to her her, uh, sculpture here, This one was skewered into the spokes of a wheel on what would be an old office chair, but beware, do not sit here. He spirals his energy up from his belly, metal spring action to repel any who will try to get too near or too close to know him or be known by him in any deep or meaningful way. Take care, for he is hurt, He is hell-bent on hurting others. Some say that the abuse that affects boys most dramatically, that turns them violent, is the abuse of neglect. Statistics are one thing, but why is more difficult to answer. Perhaps the boy who looks around him and realizes it is a man's world he is rejected from, simply, complicatedly cannot take the devastation of knowing he is ignored, unloved, in a world that by all rights should be his. His throne is nothing but an old cast-off office chair. The king has been deposed before he even had a chance to grow. It is the violence that mothers fear. Mothers who do everything for their sons, never teach them to cook, clean, do their own laundry, have some manners. Is it the fear of violence that perpetuates a world in which women continue to give it all over to the boy, to the man, in a thousand subtle and not so subtle ways? May the throne, along with the office chair, be exchanged for the meditation pillow, For the easy chair. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Let us hope. Uh, I don't know. I think of um, that book by Susan Faludi called Stift. It seemed to upset men more than her original book, Backlash. Her first huge tome of a book was about the backlash against women's liberation movement. Then she wrote a book called Stift about what had happened to working men in uh, America And I think they found that more offensive, um, the notion that they were, what is that, uh, oppressing women was not nearly the blow that uh, finding out that they were oppressed by other men, by the social order itself. Um, Here's something called More Studio Stories. She writes, I used to walk along the street outside the house where I lived as a child, looking in the gutter for jewels. I actually believed I might find them there I had my eye peeled for rainbow-colored rhinestones Sparkling in the sun I did not own an umbrella which suited me fine I stomped in rain puddles and let the rain soak right through my clothes and my shoes I walked under storm drains, the edges of awnings, any place where the water ran down When I arrived at school thoroughly drenched, it was only in part because I was a stoic. Uh, I was a benumbed water nymph. It was because I knew I could count on my teacher worrying and making a fuss over me and removing my shoes and my sopping wet sweater and standing me by the radiator. This was my plan, secret even from myself. I made doll houses out of empty bookshelves, doll furniture from empty matchboxes, building miraculously from what could have been my empty spirit house. All the clothes for my dolls were made by my own hand. I wrote stories illustrated by me, stories of orange horses, horses that none of the other horses could play with because they were different from the herd. There were pink polka-dotted elephants. (laughs) Yes, reviled by the other elephants. I ate other kids' cast-off fizzies from the drinking fountains at my school. This is called Double Think. The caged bird is the metaphor for each human being's encasement in her own body, family, destiny, fate, death. In my studies of the Holocaust, the tormenting question of life becomes, what is it to be human? To both victim and perpetrator, what is it? To be human, is every innocent baby a potential Nazi? A potential cold and unfeeling automaton? Or a potential victim of such? I think I have just time to read you a thing that I love that she wrote about uh, taking action. This is something I love to do. It's called Hold On. She writes, I reach from darkness into light, reaching high. I grab my own head. Uh, I cry out for myself. I cry out for all of you. It is a cry of warning. Take care. It's like the time I rode Bart late one night, absorbed in my thoughts, paying no attention. I heard the cry of a baby. Then I heard the sound of his mother's voice hissing, shut up. Now Alert. I looked in time to see a one-year-old boy cry out in startled pain. His mother, with the heel of her hand, hit his jaw, bounced his head against the back of the seat. Stop, I shouted, glaring at her from 20 feet away where I stood with my bike. Don't you ever hit that child again, I commanded as I continued to glare. I never took my eyes off of her the entire ride. Through six Bart Stops till I got off at Fruitvale, I kept a protective vigil over that child. Every time she felt compelled to hit the baby, she would glance over at me and stop herself. I was reading to you from the journal of Chandra Garson. Her artwork will be showing this weekend and next weekend. You can telephone her. Local phone number 534-4751, I repeat, 534-4751, you can call Chandra and ask her. It's the Dutch Boy Open Studios, 4701 San Leandro Street, number 37 in Oakland, 11 to 6 this weekend and next. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till Thursday morning at 8.20, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Hello, I'm Thunder. The Peltier Action Coalition International is having a prayer and drum circle for a presidential pardon for Leonard Peltier, political prisoner and American Indian Movement warrior, on Monday, June 7th and the first Monday of every month, 12 to 1 p.m. at the Oakland Federal Building, 12th and Clay, near 12th Street, BART Station. Any proceeds benefit the Peltier Action Coalition International. Get more information at 510 496 or our website geocities.com forward slash Pelter Action Coalition forward slash